Santa Cruz, you got to be a cool guy if you're from Santa Cruz, right? Like, no one ever goes, oh, this douchebag from Santa Cruz cut me off while I was... It's, it doesn't exist, right? There's, oh, Did they yeah. just banish all the douchebags? Yeah. Don't they have, like, like the old-time dog catchers would have? Like, they just <laughs> come around with a van and hit the douchebags. Like, the guys are wearing, like, the Ed Hardy T-shirts in their 50s. They're like, sorry. <laughs> you head over to Buellton or something. Go have some fucking split-pea soup, douche. But we can't have you here. You're fucking our curve up. Yeah. Kevin, I mean, he really drives the ship in an amazing way on the show. And... You know, he is one of the guys that just brings not only, like, just funny, funny jokes, but a huge intelligence, and he just gets stuff done. Funny is good, and Kevin's funny, but bright, right. even even better. And the guy's just super high IQ. Exactly. Someone comes onto the school and... <laughs> and you've got Kevin. Now, I'm sure Kevin's shit hot at Call of Duty, but it might not fucking cut it, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Kevin, you might want to put on a gas mask around 7.45 a.m., you know what I'm saying? Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Life of Riley podcast. I'm your host Kevin Riley, and holy shit, it's been over a month. Where does the time go, people? Last episode I posted was the two-part episode with Luke and Hamish, my Kiwi brothers from the. Press X to Jump podcast, which was so much goddamn fun. Um, and they've been kind of busting my chops a little bit via Twitter and whatnot for not having another episode out yet. I swear to God, I feel like I blinked and a month went by. Um, I think you all know how this kind of thing can go. You know, real life gets in the way work and personal stuff and ah the next thing you know everything's just gone fucking bananas so producer wendy and i've been going up and down and round and round on this episode for a while now i've kind of gone high and low in the way that I wanted to approach this thing. Do I want to come in like highly educated with tons of show prep and a bunch of notes and an outline and bullet points and all of that kind of thing. And I think that's actually kind of what stymied me a little bit because For certain topics, for certain issues, that's that's exactly the way that I like to approach it. For this particular one, it's more personal. And so I sort of tossed my notes. I've got some stuff in my head. Um, I've got a couple of 
browser tabs open that I might refer to while I'm talking. But for the most part, I just want to kind of put my thoughts out there on this one uh, without doing a bunch of uh, citing of sources and referrals and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I do want to recognize some of the people that helped bring this to my attention in the first place. So I'll get to that as, as, as needed. But what I want to talk about this time is the internet and social media and this personal disconnect that's been created by technology, which You know, I'm 46. I can well remember a time before personal computers and before the internet and all of that kind of thing. Whereas a lot of our uh, young, younger adults that just you know they they they've grown up with all of this computing power. You know, we we walk around now with more computing power in our pocket or our pocketbook than the Apollo astronauts had when they went to the moon, which is fucking crazy to think about. And the advent of social media was a boon in many ways, but there's been some adverse side effects that that have come with that boon. And I think people a little older than, uh, than the millennials, you know, us Gen Xers are probably seeing it, recognizing it a little bit more because we see the difference between the before and after. Um, whereas the millennials, it's all they've ever known. So it was really interesting to me recently when I ran into uh, my friend Denise at an event and she told me about this article in Time Magazine. Uh, what was it? it was called something like How Trolls... Yeah, how trolls are ruining the internet. And without going into a lot of detail on the article itself, she started talking to me about it and I and and and, and we just sort of sort of interacting on it. And it reminded me of a a term that I heard sometime within the last few months that I had never heard before, although when I heard it. I knew exactly what it meant the moment I heard it. And that term is keyboard courage. It's probably been around for a long time, but I only just heard it recently. And when I did hear it, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) You know, uh, I know I'm not the only one, but there's this disconnect, right? When you're online, And this has been going on ever since the internet has been ubiquitous. But 
I don't think all of us recognize how easy it is to fall into the cradle of keyboard courage where it's really easy to say shit that you would never say to the person face to face whether it's a real time chat conversation or whether it's a Twitter conversation or whether it's on a Facebook comment thread or even in a private message, the person is not right there. And especially if it's something that you're really passionate about or emotional about, or if you're personally in a really highly charged emotional state at the time, and it just sort of hits you in the wrong way, it's really easy to either overreact and sort of purposefully be an asshole, but secondarily, and I think more commonplace than that, to react emotionally without really considering the consequences. Like you're not literally attacking the person or even the fact that they disagree with you. But because of the fact that you're not sitting across the table face to face, it's really easy to say things that you wouldn't say. But it's also, and I think this is one of the most important parts, it's really easy to lose sight of the context of the conversation. And... and especially the other person's perspective on the conversation. Because if you're having a face-to-face -face conversation, they can stop you in a heartbeat and go, whoa, 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 no, you're, that's, not what I, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. You misinterpreted, whatever. But if all you've done is read a 16-paragraph rant that they've posted and you've assumed a certain tone of voice, a certain... Uh, aggression or something like that in their words that they didn't intend when they wrote it, then your response is automatically going to be tempered by the way that you read their words, whether they intended it the way you read it or not. And so then your response, another 16 paragraphs, of absolute venom and vitriol comes off to that, you know, they get that and then they're like, well, what the fuck? All I, that's, where did this come from? And it just snowballs, you know? Whereas a face to face conversation, that shit can be nipped in the bud immediately. I think the, the cover headline of that issue of Time Magazine uh, that had the article about internet trolls i think the the cover headline was is the internet making us meaner i'll have to look that up but um i know i've seen that 
somewhere. If it wasn't the Time article, it was it was somewhere else right around the same time. And speaking for myself, I can say yes. The internet has made me meaner. And I don't like that. I don't like that I, I've sort of been conditioned into this uh, person who feels, you know, I, 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 can, I will say things and have on a regular basis for some time now said things to people I don't even know who I don't even rec I, I, I don't I don't even I don't even know where they're coming from, but they say one thing that I disagree with and I have, not always, but I have just gone off on people that I've never heard a single utterance from until that day. And end up getting into these insanely long drawn out arguments where you know, it, it, on occasion, you go back and read them, and you're like, "Wow, I actually agree with most of what this person's saying. I just don't like the way they talk, or, or something. I don't like their, I don't like their choice of of adjectives." And so that's enough to get me going. I, you know, um, and that's a discomforting thought for me that it's become that easy to descend into vitriol. And so I've been trying to pay more attention from my own perspective on how this happens to me, especially on Facebook. Facebook has been the main social media outlet that I've used for, I don't know, since probably 2009, I think, when I joined. Uh, I was on MySpace before that, didn't much care for it, didn't last very long. I'm still getting used to Twitter. Uh, most of the other ones, I, I just, you know, I don't understand the appeal of Instagram, although I have an account, I never use it. Um, but Facebook has been this great thing. It's allowed me to reconnect with people that I went to high school with, people that I'm long distance from and all of that. And so I was really... Uh, I mean, I was addicted to Facebook for a long time, and I've been avoiding it in recent weeks. And in doing so, have realized a few things. And I think for me, can't speak for anybody else, but I know that among a certain... Uh, element a certain group of people who know me on Facebook I have a reputation for being very opinionated being to some people a bit of a bully I think um, obviously I don't see myself that way but every once in a while when I really piss somebody off uh, and they decide not to be polite anymore they tell me what people really think of me and it's like wow oh okay <laughs> all right well i realized that what especially in this highly politically charged environment right now in this particular election year 
with so much divisiveness and and all of that that I realized that what tends to happen to me is I go on because when I go on Facebook, I just go to my news feed. I don't I don't go oh what's so and so up to and go to their wall and and this and that. I just go to my news feed and I scroll through it and I see what I see and I like the fact that I have friends from literally every um every spot on the political spectrum and uh and socioeconomic spectrum and all of that kind of stuff you know i it's one of the things that um i wouldn't say i've cultivated it but i'm just fortunate enough that i know lots of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and and i've learned a lot from all of them but when you go onto your newsfeed and there's just, you know, one highly politically charged post after another, but very few of them are actually thought out essays or whatever you want to say from the person who posted it it's just some really far-flung thing that they found on the internet and and then just clicked share and then moved on with their life without realizing the implications that it has down the line as more and more people see it and share it and pass it along and all of that kind of thing and i say this equally for my friends on the left as I do for my friends on the right. Um, I've said many times, you know, I, I finally stopped sharing some of the more poignant political stuff because the headlines that people always write uh, for some of these videos and, and memes and things like that, it's like, ah, fuck, if that, if that headline wasn't so completely asinine... I would share this, but I know that people on my friends list are going to see the headline and not even watch the video or read the article. I found myself, I'd get home from work, long day, whatever, I'd have something to eat, I'd open a beer, I'd check into Facebook, and I'd start scrolling through, and over the course of an evening, my frustration level would just start ramping up higher and higher. It's like, okay... I've already snoped that one. I know that one's bullshit. Oh, yep, that's bullshit too. Oh, now here we're we're on the other side of the political spectrum. That one's bullshit. I know that one's not true. Where where how do I I got to pick my battles. What do I do here? How can I fucking tell all of these people that they're sharing bullshit? And eventually at some point my frustration level hits critical mass and I have to say something. I have to say something. This is what happens to me. And it's pure roulette. It's a pure slot machine. It just so happens whoever rolls up into my wall or into my newsfeed when I hit that moment of, uh, of complete frustration 
that's where I make my comment. Because I go in on Facebook going, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just seeing what people are... No, no, no. I'm not going to fucking make waves. I'm not going to talk a bunch of shit. I'm not going to tell people to cite their sources. I'm not going to be that guy this time. This time, I'm not going to be that guy. And then eventually I hit that point and I have to be that guy. And it can be somebody on the left. It can be somebody on the right. It can be a moderate. It doesn't fucking matter. When I hit that point, I click comment and I say something. And it's taken me this long to come to that realization that what I'm doing is responding to the frustration of everything else that I've scrolled through until I got to the point where I felt like I had to say something, you know, instead of like going back through and finding really the one article or the one post or the one video or the one whatever that really set the snowball in motion or the grit that started growing the pearl, you know, I just, boom, what, whatever's right there, that's, that's where I attack. And, you know, I usually have, I cite my sources, I go online, I find things to support my argument, blah, 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 blah. And I feel completely justified. I feel like I'm not, you know, and, and always my first post is always uh, very reasonable and rational and thought out and stuff like that. But then somebody who agrees with the person who made the initial post will come in and jump on my shit. And then that's when the back and forth starts. And that's, I think what sort of what I was pining for in a way, you know, it's kind of like, I, I just bring me somebody, bring me somebody, uh, to vent my frustration on. And I always had this belief within my own head that, hey, I'm just fighting the good fight here. I'm not, I'm not picking fights with anybody. I'm not doing anything silly. I'm not doing anything shitty or ridiculous. I'm just, I'm just stating my opinion and, hey, I've got the facts to back it up. But in reality, I, I was. I was pining for a fight. I was looking for, for all this frustration that I had been building up over the course of the evening. Now I have a place to vent it, you know? And, you know, I think for the most part, the people who know me personally usually saw that, not necessarily for what it was, but saw, you know, I mean, there there's even people who I disagree with that would be like, hey, well, you know, Kevin's got a point. I disagree with him, but, and it never, it, it rarely degenerates into name calling or any of that kind of thing with people that I know personally. Um, I do have a few friends on Facebook that I regularly get into debates with uh, who we have learned over the years how to agree to disagree as much as I hate that term. But we have agreed that it's like, you know, look, I know you disagree with me and I disagree with you, but I'm still going to post on your shit and you're still going to post on my shit. And if we ever see each other in person again, we're going to have a beer together or whatever. Um, where it gets a little more dicey is when you're on 
a comment thread of somebody that you do know and somebody that you don't know joins into the conversation who doesn't know you and makes a personal attack that then you have to respond to, or I feel I, I have to respond to. I should, you know, I shouldn't generalize. I should say me. And then, and then that devolves into this sort of, you know, it just becomes a pissing contest instead of an actual conversation, debate, argument, whatever. And there's a certain level to which, you know, I appreciate a good debate. I appreciate a good argument. I like it. I like when people push my comfort level and, and make me think about things in ways that I wouldn't normally think about them. I've learned a lot through that process. And a lot of that has happened online and on social media. So I value it for that reason. But the moment somebody that doesn't know me makes a personal attack or starts calling me names or something like that, I lose my shit. And remember, this is all after the fact that I'm already annoyed enough to have said something, right? And so, as you can see, it just snowballs from there. And I recently had an online, I'm going to allude to it here in a bit. I'm going to tell the story a little bit in a bit, a, a really difficult online uh, blow up happened in, in my life recently. But before I get into the details of that, there's another uh, telling, it, it's really interesting when you start paying really close attention to this kind of stuff, because the moment that I talked to Denise and we started talking about that article and about uh, that article in time, which I will link to, and 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 this whole this whole concept of of uh, the depersonalization of conversations and it, is the internet making us meaner and what about internet trolls and all that kind of stuff. You after you have a conversation like that, you start paying attention to those kind of things a lot more and your own online presence and the online presence of, of, of the people that you interact with online and all of that kind of thing. And so it was really kind of right up in my radar. And then this thing happened. And then not long after that, somebody who I knew had witnessed or was likely to have witnessed this online incident. Um, I ran into out in the out in the actual real world, right? A friend of mine who I know pretty well, who I love and respect greatly, and I think he feels the same way. I was at a liquor store buying some beer and cigarettes, and there was a line behind me, and I was at the check out for a little bit of a while and as I turned to leave I realized that the person directly behind me in line is this friend of mine and I was very aware and sensitive to the fact that this blow up that had happened uh, previously he may have been privy to and maybe 
you know, because uh, one of the things that did happen was that nobody reached out to me and said, hey, what's going on here? What about that? You know, it was like, well, we'll get to that later. But anyway, I saw him and I knew that he was standing right behind me and that I'd been at the counter for a while. And when he didn't, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't, he didn't recognize my presence. Essentially. I turned around to walk out of the store and he was right there. And it's like, wow, dude, you've been standing three feet behind me for the last five minutes, listening to my voice, seeing my person, all of that. And you're just sort of looking off into the distance. I was so overly sensitized that I was like, okay, he doesn't want to talk to me and I don't want to make this fucking awkward. So I'm just going to walk out. And later that night, it was really weighing on me. It was bugging me. It was bothering me. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch base with him and make sure we're okay. I just want to make sure we're okay. And so on Facebook, via private messenger, I messaged him and said, Hey, you know, I, it was weird for me. I, you know, turned around at the liquor store today and you were right behind me and didn't acknowledge me. Do we have an issue? You know? And he got back to me relatively quickly, you know, within a few hours, whatever. And he was like, God, I didn't even see you, man. No, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so everything was fine. We actually went on to have a conversation for, you know, the better part of an hour that was just the normal conversation that we would usually have. And then a little over a week later, I got another message from him. And I'm just going to read it. He said, I've been thinking about your question, quote, do you and I have an issue, unquote. I've recently realized that there are people that enjoy talking down to others. I don't want these folks in my life. Communicating should be more sharing and less competition. You seem to enjoy and thrive on telling people they are wrong. A curious example would be my sharing a post about crime. I don't think there was anything to debate there. And it seemed like you just wanted to fight and possibly defend the image of our city. I don't get it. And I don't really have the time to deal with little battles like that. Maybe you're training to be a radio preacher like Rush, O'Reilly, or Alex Jones. Those narcissists have no respect for other people, and yet they have a cult-like following. We all have blind spots. Our true friends will shine a light and try and help you see those blind spots. I'd like you to practice being kinder to people that have different views than you. You might not be able to do that. Nobody likes a know-it-all. You can simultaneously pat yourself on the back as you denigrate others, but this is not right human relations. Be yourself, but consider treating others with more respect and dignity. And <laughs> this comes right on the heels of everything that I just told you guys, right? Of these, this 
thing that I realized that I let my frustration level build up until I have to unload it on the closest innocent bystander sometimes. And his point was so well taken because he knows that I'm not that guy, but he's seeing that that's how I'm coming off. And I, you know, he, he sees me the way that I am with him in person. And then the way that I am with him online, because we have gotten into, um, debates online. And I don't think, I wouldn't say I've ever necessarily disrespected him, but he's definitely seen me disrespect other people. And he's probably also seen me be disrespected by other people. But, um, but his words really rang strong for me in that, you know, this whole idea of, he knows I'm doing the podcast. He knows I'm interested in, in getting my voice out there and things like that. And so that comparison of fucking Limbaugh and O'Reilly and, you know, that, and I tried to read, I tried to read what he wrote in as close to um, the way that I think he would have, said it in his voice as I could. I I don't, he wasn't being shitty. He wasn't being mean or angry or accusatory. He was just kind of, you know, as well as I know him, I think he was just kind of being like, dude, I don't have time for this bullshit. I'm not interested in listening to you fucking yell at people online and fucking tell them they're wrong and fucking, you know... Um, and I know you're doing this podcast thing and what are you trying to build a fucking cult, you know? And, and that was like, whoa, holy shit. Is this what even the people who know me are thinking? Wow. This is crazy. Okay. Wow. And this coming right on the heels of, uh, of, of me recognizing this habit that I had gotten into of taking out my petty frustrations on on you know just wherever the roulette wheel ended up on Facebook so yeah somebody who I believe knows and likes me in person as a person as the person he knows is getting kind of tired of my bullshit online then there's another thing that I think about is how is this habit that we get into online affecting the way that we talk to each other in person? Over the summer, I was back on the East Coast for my daughter's high school graduation, ran into an old friend of mine who we have... I don't know if there's anything political that we agree upon, to be honest with you, but I still love the guy. And he in person did something that people do online all the time. He said, hi, we hugged. Hello. 
I said hi to his wife. And then he started a political conversation with the, you know, he, he came in going, well, we can't talk about this here, but I'm going to say this, but we can't talk about it, but I'm going to say this, but we can't, you know what I mean? So he threw out this political sort of Molotov cocktail and then walked away because we couldn't talk about it at my daughter's graduation party. We couldn't talk about it in front of his wife. We could, you know what I mean? So it's like, so he just kind of dropped this bomb and walked away, which is another thing that people do online that prior to social media, you would never get away with that shit in real life. You know, it'd be like you'd you'd get chased down, going bub, 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 bub. You can't fucking do that shit, dude. Get the fuck back here. You know what I mean? But it was second nature to him, and I almost—I mean, had we had we been at any other event, I would have chased him down and said, "We need to, you know, we can go out on the sidewalk and talk about this if you want. We're never going to agree, but you don't get to just say your piece and walk the fuck away." You know, this little mic drop bullshit doesn't work in person. But in that case, it actually did. But the really insidious part of this disconnect that social media and the internet is creating between actual friends is the larger issue for me. You know, I, I, I am forever grateful to my friend for having the courage to say, you know, Hey dude, this is kind of how you're coming off in some ways. And I don't like it and I don't need it in my life and I'm not interested in it. Uh, that was a ballsy move for him because considering probably the image that he had of me at the time, he was probably expecting me to lose my shit um, but he still stood his ground and I appreciate and respect the hell out of him for that. Um, I told you that I would tell you the story that I was alluding to earlier. And actually in, when I was first preparing for this episode, which the funny thing is I've been preparing for this episode for a month or more. And then just decided, fuck it, I'm not using any notes. I'm just going to fire up the microphone and see what comes out because this isn't something that can be clinical and, you know, whatever. Um, I had I had this idea of, okay, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to tell it in all its detail, but I'm going to do the dragnet thing where uh, I'm going to tell the whole story and but I'm going to change everybody's names in the story so that nobody can be identified and, and nobody can be the villain and nobody can be the good guy and, and this and that. And um, because there are no villains or bad guys in the story, to be honest. But I finally realized today, it doesn't matter. None of you guys give a fuck what the actual details of the story are. The 
upshot of it is we're talking about four people who all know each other. Some have known each other for longer than others and, and whatnot, but four individuals who ended up in a uncomfortable situation and in every case along the way throughout this whole and this this uncomfortable situation went on for over a year and every attempt at either conversation reconciliation um attacking uh insulting whatever any form of communication that was attempted by any of these four people was all done either online or via social media at no point did any one of these four people say hey what do you say we get a fucking cup of coffee what do you say we sit out on the porch and fucking talk Everything was left to text-based communication on the internet, which is never as effective as having a face-to-face conversation and is also significantly colored by the the person's mood at the time that they read or respond, the time of day, how tired they are, whether or not they've eaten, whether or not they've had an alcoholic beverage or 10, you know, it, the, the point that I wanted to make in this big overarching story that I wanted to tell and all of this kind of thing is that if at any point one of the four people had said to one or two of the other four people, hey, you want to have lunch? It could have had, it it would have, there's no doubt in my fucking mind that it would have played out differently. But instead, all four people were too lazy or too busy or fucking to whatever to make the time to actually do that. And so the things that came out in public and social media were taken the wrong way or were written for the wrong reasons or for, I mean, there's, there's, if you were to ask any one of the four people, they didn't do anything wrong. And the other people did, and vice versa. I mean, I mean, across the board, nobody feel would 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 say that would admit uh, that they in, had bad intentions. I'll put it that way. I think I think probably all four of them would say, "Okay, if I had that to do over again, I might do it differently." But uh, but none of the four had bad intentions, and yet it turned into an absolute shit show. And it's all because of the quote-unquote convenience of the internet, the laziness of the internet, and the fact that it's really easy to be mean on the internet. Keyboard courage is 
It's a thing, folks. And one of the really insidious parts of the whole thing is that if you're ballsy enough to vent your spleen publicly on social media, even if 75% of the people who read what you wrote think you're an asshole, you still got that 25% of people that are coming in and going, I agree with you 100%. And so that justifies it. It's easy to justify it to yourself going, yeah, see, there's people that, that get me. There's people that understand. And, you know, for the most part, the things that I've said online that have really pissed people off, I have shit to back them up. I can cite my sources. It's not, you know, for me, it's not purely based all the time on my personal opinion. Um, I do do research and, and all that kind of stuff. But I also, I mean, I literally do understand that just because I have an opinion, I don't, I'm not trying to convince other people to share my opinion. And it also, I also know that it just because I can cite sources of where I got my information doesn't mean that another opinion isn't completely valid. But when, you know, just like my friend said to me, nobody likes a know-it-all. And sometimes people just want to go on social media and just like I'm venting my frustrations, they want to vent their frustrations they just don't count on somebody like me coming along and going, well, wait a second now. <laughs> and that's kind of what I do. Um, because I, I just fucking hate it when people spread erroneous bullshit online and it ah, just drives me crazy. But so I've been doing this experiment for the last few weeks of just really not being on social media and I can't say it's helped my state of mind that much, but that's only because I have a bunch of other shit going on. Um, but it is nice and I would give, I would recommend everybody try it for a little while. Um, especially if you don't have a bunch of other stressful shit going on because once you're away from it for a few days you realize i i mean i can only imagine it's like it's like quitting any other vice i wouldn't know because i've never quit any of my vices but um i've heard talk that once you get over the hump you realize you can see it from the other side kind of and that's what it's sort of been like for me it's kind of like i get these facebook notifications and i'm just kind of like yeah whatever i you know whereas before uh, oh it's so and so's birthday oh so and so made a comment oh so oh i've got i've got to check i've got to see i've got to look i've got to know what's going on i've got to always be i got to have my finger on the pulse of my own personal facebook yeah fuck no you don't you fucking don't. 
it's much more pleasurable to just after 10 days or something like that kind of go, oh, I wonder what's going on on Facebook. And then you check in, and if you're like me, in 10 minutes you're frustrated and you have to log off again. But um, <laughs> to not feel the need to not respond to that bait of those notifications, and yes, I'm aware that I could turn notifications off. I know that. Um, but there are, you know, there are occasional notifications that I'm glad to get, so learning how to parse through them and choose which ones to pay attention to and which ones not. Um, I think, I think I can handle that one. So the internet is making us meaner and the trolls on the internet, which are discussed in that time magazine article that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that's definitely plays a huge part of it. And, my thanks go out to Denise for mentioning that article to me because although it doesn't probably seem like it in in the stories I've been telling and, and the personal stuff that I've been relating to you, that aspect of it is really important. The, the trolls are, you know, the really interesting thing, and I encourage you to read the article but one of the craziest things about that article to me was when these really active, kind of vile trolls are actually confronted in person, half the time their attitude is kind of like, oh, I was just bored. I was just fucking around. I, you know, like they're causing severe trauma to people you know like death threats and shit like that and then when you actually track them down and and say what the fuck what's your issue with this person they're like oh it's bored or in some cases it's even well i just really respect that person wanted to get some attention you know it's fucking weird this is what the internet is doing to us there's a Great documentary. Uh, trying to remember, I remember the name of it, but um, it was referred to the show uh, by our friend Diane. Uh, it's called The Brainwashing of My Dad. And there's a media issue to that, uh, lack of media, as I like to call it in this country, that we're going to be talking about in a future episode um but there's also a distinct internet component to that movie and i'm not going to get into a lot of details about it it's a fantastic documentary um i think the end of it will be surprising for most people and so that's part of the reason why i don't want to get into too much detail about it at this point, but I highly recommend that you check it out. Uh, the brainwashing of my dad. I think, I think we watched it on Amazon. I think that's where, or it might've been iTunes. Um, once this is posted, I'll figure out where you can find it and I'll post it in the show notes. But, um, but yeah, I'd be real interested to hear, what any of you guys have to say, what your experiences have been as far as 
how people behave differently online versus in person? Are we, um, is the internet making us meaner? Do you, do you see yourself, if you reflect, do you see behaviors as I have that you wouldn't do in person that you're willing to do easily online? Uh, and I'm not even talking, I haven't even, we haven't even talked about the anonymity that you can have online you know, on Twitter or in, uh, in, in, uh, you know, uh, any other sort of forums, uh, you know, where you can have, where you can, where you can have a, a handle and an avatar that doesn't even represent you, where you can't even, you know, be tracked down except by somebody that really know, you know, so that's it's really easy to just be a complete fucktard, because you're not even representing yourself with your own photograph and name. So, yeah, what do you guys think? And how do we fix it? How do we... And is this more of a Gen X problem? Is this less of an issue for, like, the millennials or generations after us? You know, is it... Is this something that we have found as Gen Xers or, or people older than us where, you know, Oh, this now I can, I can really express myself the way that I never could before. I mean, there's so many questions. Um, it's fascinating. And I'm, you know, I'm not proud of the way that I've behaved online, but I do know that it wasn't intentional. So at least I have that going for me. And I have the fact going for me that I have at least one friend who's willing to reach out and go, dude, you're looking like kind of a dick. Um, I know that's not you, so what's up with that? So I'd love to hear from you guys. Email me, tweet me. As we wrap it up, those of you who have been listening to the show from the beginning will remember my friend Alice Dobby. Well, we've been having some chit-chats back and forth with her, and she's chomping at the bit to come back on the show, which I cannot fucking wait for. Um, going to reach out to her here this week and see what her week is looking like, and now that we're back in the saddle and producing content again, and I can promise you there won't be a lull as long as this one, uh, hopefully very quickly we'll be able to touch base with Alice and see what's been going on since the last time she was on and, uh, love to hear what she has to say about the boys from press X to jump <laughs> who I don't know if any of you guys follow, uh, me and them on Twitter. Uh, but they sent out a tweet to the uh, Chatty Boys at It's Probably Fine podcast about a week ago that still makes me laugh when I think about it. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from uh, them again soon. I think it's my turn next to go on their show. Uh, but if they want to come back on here before that, I would be totally down. 
always always happy for some funny kiwi energy on the show and uh that's why alice is hopefully going to be coming back soon if you haven't checked out uh press x to jump or it's probably fine you should check those dudes out faux show